You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to get Onyx Maps on your phone, you need to get Onyx Maps on your phone, and I'm going to tell you why. Number one, I am the kind of guy who likes to know where I'm at at all times, and I like to do a lot of running and gunning. So there's times where access is very important for me, knowing where I was at, knowing how to get to a specific location, especially in the dark of morning or night, getting in and getting out. And the best part for me is that I have GPS on my phone and Onyx allows you to leave basically breadcrumbs uh, and leave a trail or your access routes on your phone, save those access routes, and then use your GPS going in and out of your tree stand locations every single day. And it's awesome because you won't get lost in the dark. And I use that so much, that little portion in itself, so much throughout the season that uh, it's probably the most useful function of that app. Now, you can also leave waypoints like where your trail cameras are at, where your tree stands are at, where you see scrapes and rubs or marking trailheads or campsites. This is the perfect app for a do-it-yourself hunter. I mean, really for all hunters, because it allows you to journal your properties that you hunt, right? And uh, the more information you have, the more successful you will be on a yearly basis because you keep gathering data and gathering data and gathering data. And soon you'll see trends in that data and those trends will lead you to hunting more efficiently and becoming more successful, in my opinion. So go to Onyx or wherever you download your apps, pick up Onyx and you can use the discount code NATION20, N-A-T-I-O-N 20, and save 20% off for first-time users. Onyx Maps. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. And I hope you had a good turkey day. Hope it treated you good. You got a lot of good eats and maybe a little bit of time off to, you know, do some shopping or wind down from the hunting season and prepare yourself for ice fishing, which has taken off in many parts of the country, not here in Michigan, but... Uh, more out west in the, like Minnesota, northern Minnesota, maybe northern Wisconsin, South Dakota, North Dakota, areas like that where it gets cold a lot faster than it does here in Michigan. But this is also a gentle reminder that this is your last chance to enter the giveaway. This episode right here, the next episode, I will be announcing the winner of the JT Outdoor Products um, brand new 35 inch, 35 inch panhandler um, with the built-in uh, tapered spring bobber into the blank itself. And remember, all you have to do is either DM me on Instagram and or head over to freshwaterbite.com and write me a message on there on topics that you'd like to hear more about on the podcast and that automatically gets you entered. Okay. I am joined today by Juan Gomez and Josh Strand up Real Midwest Fishing, and uh, that is a group on Facebook that you can jump on and check out where, uh, you know, they're inviting folks to become members and become part of just to talk about fishing, just kind of like you do here on uh, the podcast. Anyways, Josh and um, Juan do a great job of explaining what their group is all about, and uh, they give a lot of great tips for this upcoming ice fishing season, um, what their group means to them and uh, the type of members that they hope to attract to get involved and interact in their group on Real Midwest Fishing. So if you guys are listening to this, go check them out and or hopefully you can walk away with a few pearls and uh, things that they mentioned that they would not go on the ice without this season. So without any further ado, here's Josh and Juan. 
Well, I I am joined by Josh and Juan of Real Midwest Fishing. What's going on, fellas? What's going on, Mario? Uh, hunkered down in this uh, snowstorm we're having here. Yeah, who, where where is that snow coming from? Where you guys reside right now, Josh? I am in Alden, Minnesota, which okay. would be southwestern Minnesota. All right, and Juan, where are you? I'm from southeastern Minnesota, Chatfield. It's a very small town here. Yeah, you guys are getting smoked to snow, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's they're coming down fast and serious. Yeah. Well, I, I see it's blowing, and here in the state of Michigan, it looks like it's all going to escape and head to the UP, which is way north of me of where I'm at right now. So I'm downstate in uh, kind of like the southeast corner of Michigan. I just recently moved down here. But, uh, yeah, I just moved down here from uh, northern Michigan, northern lower peninsula, and we used to get hammered with snow. So right now I'm not envious of you guys, so you guys can have the snow. But I'm excited for the cold, and it uh, sounds like uh, things are getting pretty chilly over at your guys' neck of the woods too, right, Juan? Yeah, well, it, it was a lot colder early in November, we thought we had our hopes up that we'd be out on the ice. And uh, a couple of our, the people on our team actually did get out. But uh, this last week, uh, week and a half, completely destroyed all the ice that we that we had. So yeah, it seems like we always get those right teasers, now, right? Yeah, unfortunately, right now it's looking till mid-December until we can finally get some good ice down here in the southern region. Josh, what about you? Yeah, we're uh, we're pretty much in the same boat. Um, we had some decent ice a couple weeks ago. I checked the local lake, and we had probably four and a half inches, and then nice little heat wave came rolling through and kind of tore everything apart, and we're back to open water now. Oh, boy. Did you guys winterize your boats? <laughs> um. Yeah, the kayak, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hey, let's get into it. Let's. Uh, I want to start with um, one. Let's give a brief introduction of yourself, and obviously, we know where you reside right now. But kind of talk about your history of uh, you know where you grew up fishing and uh, the the kind of species you like to target. Well. Um my name's Juan Gomez. Um, I grew up here in Chatfield, um, and, uh, growing up, I would, uh, go out to the Creek just down, down, uh, the street from here. And I'd go out and, uh, I go after trout, really anything in that, that I could catch out. And I was still learning at the time. Um, kind of, uh, did that throughout high school. And then, uh, I started ice fishing, and uh got kind of hooked on into that and now i really enjoy crappie fishing if i can get on a good crappie bite i absolutely love that uh i do that on the ice fishing crappie fishing the ice season and uh i go after mostly bass in open water season I do a lot of kayak fishing and a lot of kayak tournaments so try to keep busy with mostly bass stuff and um uh, I'd like to get better with walleye, but uh, it's just one of those species that I, I can't seem to figure out. <laughs> you know what? It's good to hear that someone from Minnesota likes to fish for something other than uh, walleye because everybody I have on here from Minnesota has obviously got the walleye bug, so it's good to hear that you're after bass. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of uh, – it was just kind of one of those things. I caught a, a bass and I was like, well, these these are actually pretty simple to catch. But they're so, you know, they're so much fun, you know, the, the fight they put up and they're always just so aggressive. Um, and, um, you know, I've caught a few walleye, but I don't know. It's just one of those, one of those species that it's like finicky panfish, you know, you just try to figure out what they want, but still, you can't really get them to commit. Yeah. And then how is the whole kayak bass fishing? Cause those two seem to go hand in hand together and, you know, I'm trying to think of when I first started to really get into or hear about that. I would say it's got to be 
damn near eight years ago when kayak bass fishing really started to take off and you kind of started to see it more mainstream and tournaments pop up. I think it's been great for, you know, someone exactly, you know, kind of like you, what you said, where there's a specific species you like to go after a bass, which, you know, most bodies of water hold bass. And if you're not out there in a big boat, anybody can go out and do what they love to do out of a kayak. Yeah, uh, I uh, actually just started kayak fishing three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and I started doing tournaments uh, just uh, I really, really this year, and um, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's it's all um, it's CPR is what they like to uh, name it. It's catch for release. So you know you need uh, certified. Uh, uh, measuring boards uh that they allow the kayak uh it's kbf uh kayak bass fishing um that series and i'm also doing yak bassing uh which is they're they're uh, out of texas but they have like certain regions like uh basically the entire midwest is a north central um region so it, it gets pretty competitive with you know when you're dealing with people from illinois or Kansas, where a lot of those bass get a lot bigger uh, compared to these the northern strain. Um, but it's, um, you know, with kayaks, you know, you're not dealing with $100,000 boats. Uh, you know, everyone's pretty much equal. and But just when it comes down to it is, you know, what what knowledge do you possess that you're able to, to get after a, a bite consistently? Yeah, it's definitely um, that <clears throat> that more, um, you know, I guess at some point affordable approach to competitive fishing. Like you, like you said, you don't need the hundred thousand dollar bass boats to go out there and you know have big big sponsors to pay for your gas bills or your hotel fees or entry fees and all that kind of stuff. So it's, I mean, I'm sure that that does come into play. Some sponsors that are out there sponsoring these these kayak tournaments, but it, like you said, it's really if you got the drive and determination, anybody can enter the tournament. Right. And, you know, it is blowing up. Uh, I believe just, I think next year, I think it, I want to say it's uh, Bass that uh, is hosting a kayak fishing uh, series. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's definitely getting a lot. It's, it's getting a lot bigger. It's getting very competitive. You're getting some of the, like, um, boat professionals um, join in. I know like, uh, Mike Iconelli, I think he does some, uh, tournaments and I know there was, uh, one other guy, um, that recently won it this year, uh, an open series tournament. So, I mean, it's, it's getting a lot of traction and, and it'll be interesting to see, interesting to see, you know, what new, um, game changers come out in the next couple of years with, um, you know, with, electric motors getting added onto it and, you know, just, uh, different approaches, see how, how it blows up. Uh, yeah. Cause I know some tournaments are, um, you're allowed to have electric motors and some kind of, you know, don't allow that. So it's, that will be something to, to keep an eye on to see how the ones that allow it, uh, does change the, uh, the way you fish. And then Josh, yeah. let's uh, let's hear about um, kind of your your beginnings and where you grew up fishing and what you'd like to go after. Sounds good. I grew up in Albert Lee, Minnesota, which is uh, fifteen minutes east of here. And <clears throat> there's two two decent lakes that are kind of overlooked in Albert Lee, and I would ride my bike down to the dam of Fountain Lake. It's There's a channel there. And it dumps out into a channel that goes into Albertly Lake. And I would ride my bike down there and cast out, I mean, daredevils and, or else I'd slip bobber fish. And, you know, even if I was catching bullheads, it's still a lot of fun. And, you know, then you'd hook into you know, maybe a two or three pound dinky bass or something. And you're like, wow, this is awesome. And I never really, I never really got into ice fishing a whole lot until I got a little bit older. 
and I got it, you know, when I got my first job and I kind of started buying stuff, I didn't have, I didn't have the hottest items on the market by any means, but I had your typical six inch hand auger and, you know, your cheap pop-up house, but I, I'd, I'd go out there and I'd fish, you know, on Fulton Lake and catch bluegills and crappies and maybe stumble across a couple of walleyes here and there. And it really just, it spiked my, my drive and love for the, the sport and the passion of it. And, uh, I met some guys that they had the same, they had the same passion for it. And I'd never, I'd never been ice fishing in Northern Minnesota. It's crazy as it sounds, but that's like five hours from here where we'd usually go. And, uh, we went up there one year and just the, the difference in, you know, the scenery and the atmosphere and the quality of fish that you can get on when you get up to the, the Northern part of the state, it just made it even better. And now I just, I love it. I, I'm always counting down the days to ice. I got a lot of, I got a lot of buddies that are farmers and I'm, I'm praying for cold weather and, <laughs> you know, September, October, and they're, they're on the opposite side of that, you know? Oh yeah. I hear you. I've got the same thing. Like, you know, when it gets cold here in Michigan, a lot of people like to gripe or whatever it is, they're they're They don't want the cold seasons to blow in, but usually by that time I'm welcoming the cold weather. Cause it's like a whole new season and a whole new time of year for me to get out in the water. And probably, I don't know, it's got, I almost can't even compare the two open water to ice fishing season. It's two different worlds, but man, do I get geeked when the, mm-hmm. when I start to see those, uh, those lakes skim over. Oh, absolutely. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I just, I I can't, I just can't wait. When I see them temps starting to drop in that first sheet of ice forming, I'm just, just giddier than all hell. Yeah. It's funny because ice fishing is actually something that, uh, you know, reignited my, my passion for fishing, um, as I did as a kid, but it seems like when I started to ice fish more and more, um, in college and things like that, it just fueled my passion to get back out there on the open water and hit it even hard. And then, you know, obviously turned me into a junkie after that. But, um, that's good to hear that. That's good to hear that, uh, you know, something like that, like you said, growing up downstate and not, and not being able to experience those Northern waters or scenery. Um, it is a different Mm -hmm. world up there when you go ice fishing and, and things like that, you know, I mean, I have not yet, ice or experienced ice fishing in Minnesota period, let alone Northern Minnesota. But I've got a lot of mm-hmm. friends and, and, and buddies over there that tell me all about the, the ice roads going out on the lake and the, all the big shanties oh, and shacks they have. It blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's awesome. One of the first times I went to, to Lake Winnie, we uh, went out of High Banks Resort, and that's a pretty well-known resort up there, and they treat you really well. And they always make sure the roads are plowed, and they'll give you a map, you know, where you can and can't go. And, yeah, we uh, we pulled over. We got we pulled down the, the boat ramp, and we were just getting up to the lake, and there's ice heaves on each side that you had to drive through. Like, the road was going in between the two heaves. Mm-hmm. And the heaves were taller than the truck by like five or six feet. And I'm like, this is crazy. And I mean, they have like legitimate DOT plow trucks out there. I mean, monster plow trucks that are making these roads and it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's crazy for sure. Yeah, it's a different world. Like I was saying, it's like you, you experience something like that when you see those big shoves and, you know, the the mass size and thickness of ice that forms on the lake, it kind of blows your mind. A lot of folks don't even have ever seen that or will ever see that in their lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Well, cool. Well, I'm excited to talk ice fishing with you guys as, uh, like you said, temperatures will be starting to drop here and, and folks that obviously have their minds on ice fishing this season. Um, <clears throat> before we get into that, though, I want to talk a little bit about um, Juan, kind of this uh, the, the real Midwest fishing group that um, what it's all about and how it got started. 
Well, I, uh, I started real Midwest fishing, uh, 2017 and it was originally just me. Um, it was, uh, um, you know, around that time, kind of looking at social media, there was just a lot of negativity going around and not a lot of, you know, um, not a lot of fishing or outdoor stuff that I could see. And, uh, so, you know, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to, get this started it might look silly i don't care you know so i uh i started it in in the hopes that you know more people could see um you know what i'm doing and in return you know they could you know potentially be interested in in uh fishing themselves you know and getting out and uh uh you know experiencing that same feeling that i get when i go out fishing uh I always cite um, a news article where uh, they were taking talent of all the like the license sales, the fishing, uh, fishing and hunting license sales uh, over the last few decades, and and then they've just been going down. Uh, I think I want to say it was like only I want to say only only like thirty percent of of teens were, were there weren't enough, uh, there aren't enough kids being involved or younger adults being involved in the sport of fishing or hunting. And, um, I think, um, you know, when I, when I look at that, I, it's, it's just crazy for me to see that, you know, it's, it's obviously a whole different world that we're living in. And I, and I want people to, at least give it a try. Um, I'm always open to taking new people out. Uh, that's why I have extra gear. Uh, if it's, if they need it, I have rods, reels, I have everything, um, that someone might need to give the sport of fishing a try. And, um, I just want, I just want to be able to give someone that spark where they catch their first like northern through the ice or where they are able to see or get into a crappie bite and have these crappies going like they're able to see on the flasher and go after that bait and i want them to get that same excitement i get every single time i go out and i hope that in return they're able to pass that along whether it's uh, you know, an adult to, to kids or, uh, have kids have, uh, their parents take them more often and, and just kind of grow from there. So that was my hope in 2017 when I created real Midwest fishing. And then, um, it was the beginning of this year where, uh, I, uh, formed the team, uh, and, uh, we have, uh, you know, Teammates from obviously majority of them are from Minnesota, but we have a couple from Wisconsin. We have, uh, um, one from, uh, Michigan. And, uh, just trying to expand that, that team and, and, you know, get more people involved in, and, um, that's what we, instead of the page, we also have the group where, you know, anyone can go in there and comment and post and engage with other people and hopefully, you know, get, have get togethers with them or, you know, make friendships like, uh, like the, you know, the team, uh, real Mid- the real Midwest fishing has become, uh, you know, it, it's still in its infancy, but already, uh, you know, we have, uh, we have 20 people on the team. And they all bring something to the table, you know. Um, I like every single one has their own, you know, knowledge on on a specific species, a specific technique, and and um, that's what I absolutely love about this is, you know, they're always, you know, if I can't help someone out, I will, you know ask someone on the team to see if they can help the person out and it just works out well that way and we all get along and um 
it's just uh it's just a really cool thing to see yeah especially when you hear about <clears throat> a lot of folks talk about the negativity or you know the bad things that social media has brought to mainstream society but you got to look at the the good things that it's done too it's connected so many people uh not only throughout the entire country uh, or the world, but even like you said, in your local bodies of water that you fish, um, maybe a boat that you've seen out on the uh, on the water that you like to fish, and you've always been, you know, intimidated or uh, you know you didn't couldn't find it in yourself to go up to talk to that person and how they were catching uh, whatever species. But you know, groups like this really builds the camaraderie and keeps the sport alive. It's what I found out um, from some of the groups that I belong to and or just follow on uh, social media or on Facebook. Um, you know, one that comes to mind is uh, Metro Detroit Walleye Stalkers here in Southeast Michigan. I mean, if you get on that group and you're a part of it, if you've got questions, you can never feel ashamed to ask the basic one-on-one questions or the most complex questions because everybody on there is going you know, obviously to help you out and, uh, to make sure that you get on fish or make sure that you you can jump in with someone on the boat and things like that. And, uh, it's good to hear because we need to do things like that in order to keep our sport alive. We're also, we're, we're the, we're the best thing that can ensure the future of our sport, but also, we're also sometimes our, our own worst enemies when we, you know, we, we clam up and, and don't let out, you know, new folks in to, to teach them how to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I think that's the most important thing is just making sure like, um, just teaching people because people are, you know, scared of asking questions. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, if I see someone out, um, when I'm fishing or kayak fishing and, and, uh, or ice fishing, if I know, you know, if I can let someone know like, Hey, you know, I'm catching them this way, give it a try. Like, it's not, I mean, I'm not losing the fishery, you know, you know, and they're just, they're just going to appreciate it. You know, and, and it'll, you know, the hope is, you know, they're, they're going to want to spread, you know, share that same information or next time they're actually in a good bite and something's working for them, you know, let someone else know. Yep. You know, it's uh, like, you know, we're all in this together and, you know, it's, we're not, you know, we're not professionals by any means, but, um, it, it's just, we, we just want to, to keep the sport going, you know, and it's, it, we want to get people obsessed with, with a sport. Yeah. And if you think about it too, especially coming into ice fishing season, one benefit or a huge benefit that I see, uh, working with, uh, you know, a group just like yours is it keeps everybody safe, especially during ice fishing season, right? We're all going out on ice that, uh, <clears throat> that's new every single year. It forms differently, you know, um, you, thicknesses vary all the time. So if anyone out there can, you know, lend you some tips of areas to avoid or, Hey, be careful here, you know, it keeps everybody safe and it also helps newcomers getting into the sport of ice fishing safe as well. So that way, you know, they can learn, um, because it's, it's something that it's, it's hard to dive right into ice fishing. Uh, and, and you got to make sure you know your bodies of water and your lakes and, um, you know, ice safety and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. There's just too many, you know, even if you have two similar lakes, you know, one of them can have a few springs in it and, uh, like one of the reservoirs in, in Rochester, um, just, you know, it's, it's great reservoir for, you know, they're always stocking with stocking it with trout, but you're always hearing someone going through because they don't know where those springs are at. And, and, uh, yeah, it's important to, to let, you know, just to, uh, educate people on, on the importance of that. Um, and, um, you know, that's one of the the topics we're actually going to be bringing up in the next, uh, I think this, this coming weekend, we're going to be going to be promoting, a ice safety thing, um, on the, on the page. So, um, it's, you know, we, I never leave without my, my picks and, and, uh, you know, even, even if it's 10 plus inches of ice, I'll always have them around my neck. You know, it's important to also 
uh, stress that to anyone new. Always have them on you. You know, they're not, you know, you can get some cheap ones for five bucks. Yep. And, and it's such a life-saving tool that, that uh, but, pe- you know, I go out and I, I don't see a ton of them on, on people. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that it's just, it's so simple. And, and it's such a, a lifesaver. Yep, very important to keep on you through all through all times of the ice, no matter what what month or how far into it you are. Josh, how has your experience been um, since joining the group, and what what things do you see or benefits that you see? Um, man, it's been fun. Uh, I was brought on to the the team. I want to say last. November and I didn't really know what to expect. I'd never been a part of anything like that. So I didn't know what the expectations were and you know, what the goals were and stuff like that. And it didn't take long to realize that it's just a bunch of guys and girls that love to talk smart and ice fish and, you know, have fun. And it's, it's been fun. I, I like how uh, we've done a pretty good job on, kind of basing it on there's no such thing as a dumb question because there's a lot of there's a lot of other pages out there right now where somebody could ask something so simple and they just get roasted on it Mm -hmm. you know and that that drops their confidence down and then they're scared to ask a question and their self-esteem you know all that stuff so i think we've done a pretty good job of keeping the negativity away and I mean, you're always going to have it, but we, we do pretty well on, on, uh, on filtering that stuff out. And yeah, I, I got out and fished with a lot of the teammates last year and it's, it's just a blast. It's a good group of people. That's great. Yeah. The, yeah. Like you said, the, the dumb questions that there are, I shouldn't say dumb questions, but, the the questions that people think are perceived as dumb, you know, a fresh eyes, you know, coming into the, to the scene can help even some people who have been doing it for many years, give some thought to a fresh perspective and, you know, look at things from, uh, you know, a, a fresh perspective. They'll learn something themselves, you know, things that they haven't thought about or, man, I guess I really don't know what pound test I use or why I use that and things like that. Could they really explain to somebody what, why they're doing that technique or how they dissect that body of water, you know, rather than just going out and doing it and and explaining it to someone, you can learn a lot by teaching as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Or even, you know, say somebody's like, well, I have a brother-in-law that loves his propane auger and my buddy has a gas auger and, my other buddy has an electric auger. Which one should I use? On some of these pages, it's like, you know, they're they're bashing, you know. And my mentality is, use whatever best, use whatever suits your your fishing style the best. You know, yep. I mean, gas augers are great. I've had gas augers, I've had propane augers, and now I have an electric auger. I I like them all equally, but I. I switched to an electric auger cause I like to move around a lot and that's just, it's a little bit lighter for me, you know, but there is a downside to it and it's that you got to keep your batteries warm and, you know, propane's always going to start and gas is always going to start. So it, it all just depends on what, what works the best for you, you know? Yep. It's important to, to have all different kinds of variety. And like you said, you can offer advice. Like, uh, you know, for me, when I was living up North, I fished a lot by myself, so I couldn't lug around, you know, the, the, the gas and the propane augers anymore. I, I had to be light. And a lot of the times I was venturing out mm-hmm. onto bodies of water that I've never fished before. So I didn't trust the ice. I wasn't going to bring a machine out on it right away. So I'd walk out there and, you know, right. <clears throat> lugging around a gas auger, It'll get old real quick. I don't care how good shape you are and, and, and how young you are. That that shit gets old after a while when you're by yourself. But yeah, it's just stuff. Oh, yeah. like, it's just the little things like that can make the experience more enjoyable and offer advice and keep folks engaged in the sport. Um, so now that we are venturing into ice fishing season, uh, 
Josh, we'll start with you. What trips or and or uh, first ice bodies of water are you looking to uh, to venture out on? Um, there is a few not named lakes in Iowa that I want to get to. Okay, and those are usually pretty good throughout the whole season for the most part. And, uh, what species are you targeting in Minnesota? Um, perch, walleyes and bluegills. Okay. Now these no name lakes and how do you, how do you dissect these, these bodies of water when you first, you know, go after, let's say bluegill or perch. So, um, I usually, if I can, I like to scout it in the summertime. Okay. So if I, you know, if I find that there's weeds and stuff like that, weed beds or any type of vegetation, I'll fish that in the summertime and I'll also mark it on my Navionics. And then first ice, I'll try and get out to that same spot and, uh, you know, fish weed edges cause it's holding food and, and oxygen and stuff like that. And it's usually, a it's usually pretty, pretty good. It's, it's not bad. Yep. Um, and then, and then you said you were venturing into Minnesota then as well. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll probably try out one of the lakes at Albert Lee. They recently dredged one of the bays and I guess that's been pretty good. I mean, it's, it's kind of nice to see because for a while there is just the consistent depth all the way through the entire lake. And they're trying to clean that up a little bit. And other than that, there's, uh, there's another lake. We actually, um, bass fished it this summer over by, it's west of me, it's Bass Lake, and I guess that holds some pretty nice panfish, but I've I've never been ice fishing on that lake, so that'll be that'll be a new one for me to try out. And I think what I'll do is if the ice is good, I'll probably just try and get to the deepest part of the lake and drill holes. I'll drill a hole, you know, I'll go off my map, my Navionics on my phone and I'll I'll find the deepest spot in the lake and I'll start there and I'll just keep drilling holes till I get shallow and I'll just bounce around with my flasher and see if I can't find anything. Yeah. little tip for anybody listening to this. I talked about it on a podcast last year around this time for ice fishing. If you don't have the Navionics app on your phone, you need to download it because a, it'll keep you safe on the ice. If you go out there and it starts to snow and you can kind of figure out your starting point of where you launched from, but also, if, if you've had it on your phone and or you find structure or you find a good spot or a weed edge or something like that, you can drop waypoints on your phone because it's something that we obviously all keep with us nowadays. And you can use it as a reference for when you're out there and you can, uh, you can, you can write descriptive things like, um, you know, there's a fish bed here or there's a... There's uh, sunken uh, logs over here. There's a weed edge here. And you can write on there exactly where it's at. So the next time you go out there, you know exactly where to go, what kind of fish you caught there. Um, you know, that you can write down temperature. You can write down, uh, you know, what the barometric pressure was doing, all that kind of stuff, and, and put it in there for a rainy day. So that way when, when you're out there and, and you need a new spot to go, you can say, oh, well, you know, last year at this point, this is where I caught uh, walleye or whatever it is. It's, it's a great tool. And I think it's like a one time, I think there's like a one time fee of like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. Something like that. There's a couple different versions you out know. there, but get, I mean, just get the one. Yeah. Get the $10 one. You don't have to buy. I think there's another one on that is a little bit more expensive, but if you just get the $10 one, it really takes care of everything that you really need to do especially for ice fishing it shows you uh, contour lines, change in depths, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great tool. I've, I've had it forever. It's, I have Navionics folding is what I, the one I have. Yep. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I use it 
all the time. I mean, anytime I'm on a hot bite, I'll, I'll drop a pin there. So if I would, you know, when I come back, all I have to do is get to that pin and go from there. And then, yeah, there's, there's a few other lakes I'm going to probably hit up. Um, a lot of them, it, uh, a few of them are pretty shallow, so you can, you can kind of get out on thinner ice, but some of them are deeper, so it takes a little while to get there. Right. Just got to be patient. Yeah. <laughs> well, Juan, what about you? I heard you might be going somewhere even as soon as this Friday, right? Yeah. Uh, w- uh, a few of us uh, are heading up to Upper Red Lake, uh, so that'll be a seven-hour drive or six six hour drive for us oh but uh yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be up there but um how's the ice conditions up there right now i I believe they're getting 10 inches of ice right now it's consistent yeah (laughs) yeah dude you know that we won't uh, have 10 inches we won't have 10 inches on ice in some of our inland lakes until like february maybe Oh jeez, no! I, like that whole area of the state. I mean, I, people have been getting out on there, and and you know, I follow some groups uh, on social media, and they're just constantly posting their crappie bites, and they're you know just jealous over here because we got nothing. But uh, yeah, we're, it's my first time at Upper Red. I've always wanted to fish it. Uh, you know, I've heard uh, good things about it. You know, if, or if it's a very good early season bite. And, uh, for walleye primarily, uh, and, uh, I, um, I'm not a very good walleye fisherman. So, you know, (laughs) I, I would really hope that I could get a limit at least. Um, but you know, we're going to be, they're not allowing sleepers out on the ice yet. It'll be after this weekend, but, uh, you know, we're going to have to walk out a mile or so. Hopefully we can find the four wheeler, but, uh, um, I, the last report I saw is that they're being caught in around 10 feet of water. Um, Upper Red Lake, from what I understand, is not a very uh, deep lake. Um, I'm not sure what the max depth is, but um, uh, I, it's one of the very first big lakes uh, to freeze. Okay. Um, and that's why it's such a popular destination for people. Uh, another thing with Upper Red Lake is that um, you can really only fish, a, I think it's a third of it. Um, the rest of that is uh, native, native American reservation. So, um, there's some really good, good fishing south of that, that no one's allowed to get onto. But, um, but yeah, we're hoping that we're, we're heading out here Friday morning. Hopefully we can get out on, on a bite before, uh, it gets too dark. And then we'll be fishing all day Saturday and get out early Sunday morning. It sounds like you're pumped, man. Yeah, I'm super pumped. I mean, it's, I've been, I, I already, I made a checklist of all the things that I need to bring in. And, uh, I, I think I've triple checked it by now just cause I, I, the last thing I would want to forget is something like something overlooked, like my flasher or something. I'm just like one of those things that I'm like, I'd just be scared if I, if I forgot anything important, but, uh, it's, uh, it's gonna, you know, the drive's gonna suck, but, um, we're, no, it'll be worth it in the end. I'm hoping the drive home sucks. The drive there is like, you can't wait to get there. Cause with your buddies, you're like little, you know, little giddy school yeah. children can't, you know, you know, it takes you back to like, your younger years, at least that's how I feel when I go out with my buddies on a, like a big trip like that. I'm so geeked. And when I get there and we're leaving to come home, like, Oh man, I gotta go home and face the real world. It sucks. I know. I know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I'm, I am, like you said, I'm just super giddy about it. And, and, uh, uh, we're, we're taking a few vehicles out there, but, uh, I think the, the main thing is like, I really hope we can get a four wheeler cause, you know, they're supposed to get some snow as well. Okay. Um, and I don't think it's as much as we're going to get, but it's still not going to be fun having to walk out a mile. Right. Um, just to get on the bike. But, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's right now. That's the big trip for me this year. It's kind of tough with, uh, 
you know, playing with, I have a one year old right now, but, um, hopefully I can get on, you know, Lake of the Woods or I've always also wanted to fish uh, Devil's Lake. Uh, so hopefully I can make one of those two work this year. Um, another big one that we have is, uh, uh, we have on February 9th, we have, uh, an ice fishing tournament. We're going to be heading down to in Iowa, uh, at Clear Lake. And it's going to be a yellow bass, uh, tournament. So, uh, Josh is actually my teammate for that. So it should be a fun, fun tournament. And, uh, there'll be another, you know, weekend thing for us. Do you guys, during those tournaments, is there anything that's off limits? Like, are you, are you guys allowed to use like, uh, underwater cameras and all that kind of stuff? Like, is there any gear restrictions? Um, I think you can use underwater cameras, but it's, is it like had, plastics I mean, you only really or anything to, like that? You can use live bait or all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's, there's no bait restrictions. Um, and like you could use a camera, but I think, you know, yellow bass, they, they move so much. Like the schools are constantly moving. They don't stick around long at all. So you, you kind of just got to drill a hole and drop your flasher down and, you know, see if they're there or not versus, you know, using a camera and then pulling it up and fish, you know, but there, there is no restrictions. I, as in that, like bait and and stuff like that, as I, that I know of. Okay. Yeah. Some tournaments you always hear about, well, it's, I guess it's more the pan fishing tournaments around here. Uh, you'll hear like, you can't use live bait and, you know, plastics only and all that kind of stuff. But uh, so I was just curious how they, Oh really? Yeah. I was just curious how, what they say out and it depends on what tournament you're in. Most of them are pretty lax. You can use whatever you want. Or, you know, maybe it's only limited to one rod or something like that. I know some tournaments have restrictions on that. Because in Michigan here, you can have mm-hmm. you can have three out. So, you know, typically. Oh, really? Yeah. I think in Minnesota, you guys still can only have one. Is that correct? Two. Two. Okay. Two in Minnesota. And then how many yep. in Iowa? Um, Iowa is also two. Also two. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so like we, what we, or I know what I typically do here in Michigan is like I'll be jigging in my hut or whatever, and then you know, you can put tip ups out, or I'll put a snare rod out, or something like that, uh, to change up different presentations yep. and all that kind of stuff. So that way, um, you know, I got as many lines in the water as I'm legally allowed to have, and it also allows me to give the fish different presentations in the water column. Um, so if I'm jigging yep. off the jigging off the bottom. Or I've got, you know, a tip up way out away from the shack where it's a little bit quieter or, you know, they don't feel as spooked. And then I've got a snare rod with something mm-hmm. dangling, you know, mid- midway down the water column too to see where those fish are at. And it helps me hone down of what, the, you know, they t- basically tell me what they want. Yeah, that, that'd be awesome, really. Yeah, we're spoiled I a little bit. I wish we could have an extra rod. <laughs> I think Wisconsin... One of the guys on our team, I think he said in Wisconsin, he, you you can have three rods there too, and he he said he'll usually have like two snares set out, and then he'll be jigging inside his house. Yep, it's a good like, problem. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's a good problem to have when they all start going off. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, um, dude, your guys' trip sound like something. Uh, I think a lot of ice anglers are hoping that they get to do someday. Uh, you know, upper red lake is something that I've always been intrigued by and wanting to get on. So, uh, Juan, I'll be interested to hear how you do. And, uh, will you be posting on, uh, your group site there on Facebook to, uh, update us all on how you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. We're actually going to be bringing a, a few cameras, going to try to get some footage, um, of the trip. And, uh, <clears throat> I know the, one of our teammates is a, um, pretty good videographer. And, uh, so he's, he's getting pretty excited and, and to hopefully make a, a good video. So, um, and I think we have like four cameras running. So it sh- we should have, we should have plenty of footage to, to pick from. That's awesome. 
And, you know, before we leave, just kind of like a, as a closing note, as we get into the ice fishing season, what's one piece of gear, Josh, we'll start with you, that you would suggest to ice anglers out there that has really helped you or has something that you would recommend folks looking into getting if they don't have one right now? Um, as traditional and old school as it sounds, I'd, I'd say a flasher. Yeah. I mean, you, if you don't have a flasher, it's, it's tough. Cause I, I've been there where you don't have a flasher and you're, you're kind of flying blind really. You're kind of like, but you, you, you kind of feel lost out at sea or like you, you're limping on one leg or, you know, you just feel super, uh, I don't know, inadequate when you're out on the ice without a flasher because it so much depends on it. It tells you your depth. It tells you what the, where the fish are hanging out at. It tells you how they're reacting to your bait. You know, it's, it's important. Yeah. I think that's a good point, you know, to have a good flasher that you can depend on and, if there's one area that I suggest that you don't want to, you know, skimp out on too much is, uh, you know, put the extra dollars into maybe getting yourself a really reliable and good flasher that you, that you can read easily. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'd, if I had to add another one, it, uh, it'd be the cold snap hook remover. It's called the T2 toothpick and it's a, it's a plastic it's like a plastic shank that's got, it's like a, a forked end with a little notch in it. And you use it to remove your jigs from fish. And that's, that's another thing that I've been using for a long time. And as I would get more into it, I'd, you know, spend a little more dollars on higher quality jigs. And I just use old metal forceps. And I realized I was starting to really chip chip the shit out of the paint, you know, and, and, and wreck those jigs. And, uh, that toothpick, I mean, you just put it in there and pop it out and it doesn't, it doesn't wreck the paint and you're not really hurting the fish at all either. You know, it's, it's efficient. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. It does look just kind of like a fork toothpick or something like that. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're slick. They make two sizes. They got the regular size and that's good for, for pan fish and stuff. And then they make the XL and that's good for like your Lakers and in your pike and muskies and, and walleyes and stuff like that. And anyone listening to this, they're like five bucks online right now. So they're not going to break the oh, bank. Yeah. No, they're, they're awesome. And they actually come with a retractable lanyard. That's got a clip on the back. So you can clip it right onto your bibs or if you're out in the boat, you know, you can clip it onto your, your lanyard for your eye pilot and it's right there. You don't even have to, you know, worry about losing it or anything. There you go. Holidays are coming up. If you want to give somebody a gift, you can get them a $5 cold snap toothpick hook remover. <laughs> yep. All right. Juan, what's a, what's a piece or two of gear that you recommend ice anglers look into getting before they venture out this year? Uh, well, I was going to say, uh, a toothpick, those, those, uh, are such a simple tool, but it, it is such a, uh, just, it's just so effective. Um, and Josh touched up on that, but, um, um, I would definitely recommend everyone taking a look at them and in getting them cause it's, it definitely saves your jigs from getting, I know a lot of people like those custom jigs or those really, uh, ultra glow jigs. And, uh, those four steps chip them. So, uh, definitely take a look at that. But <clears throat> other than that, definitely ice picks. Uh, I know I touched up on that. It's, you know, like I said, it's a lifesaver and, and, uh, they're five bucks as well. And, uh, you know, if you're fishing by yourself and you go through, well, it's, it, you're going to appreciate uh, having them with you. Yeah, I agree. Again, safety is, it's something that <clears throat> a lot of guys tend to forget about because they're so giddy to get on the ice. They forget the basic stuff when it comes to, uh, safety, you know, it can be as little as, like we said, we had, we, you know, have a Navionics on your phone, 
Um, you know, we fish a lot of big bodies of water here, like on Saginaw Bay and stuff. And we venture a few miles out. And when you get out there and a snowstorm comes up, you know, everything looks the same. So if you don't have a, a beacon of how you got out there and safe, safe ice in the path you've taken out there, you know, you can get in some rough situations. So it's things like that. Um, you know, obviously floatable ice suits, uh, picks, yep. you know, there's a lot of great things that before you get too excited to put your feet on ice, you need to realize, um, what you have and what you don't have, um, and how to be safe out there. Yeah. So good point. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, Go ahead. I'm going to add uh, I was actually, another, uh, another. Josh, you go. Oh, you go. You go ahead, Josh. <laughs> I was going to say, I was actually, I'm thinking about maybe getting a float suit this year. Yeah. Just because I've talked to a lot of guys and they said that, I mean, they've never had to, to use them, but just that little sense of security you have behind them, you know any advantage you can have going into freezing water i'll take you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i'll take any advantage i can if it keeps my head above water and keeps me out to have you know get back on ice it's important you know good you know you never think about you never regret regret spending the money on something like that it's not like you're like you don't have buyer's remorse knowing that you bought a good warm floatable jacket when you're ice fishing exactly you know, Juan, what were you going to say? Uh, another, you know, a couple of different tools besides Navionics. And, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure what Michigan has, but, uh, one important thing that I use is the, the Minnesota DNR has a lake finder app, um, that you can, uh, put on your phone and <clears throat> they, on that, you're able to pull up, uh, most of, most of the lakes will have a survey uh, and, uh, any, any, um, fish sampling that they have done within the last few years. That's a very important thing that I do before going on to a new body of water, just taking a look and seeing what species of fish are in that lake and what the average, um, you know, size of the fish was. And I kind of base my uh, decision uh, on that and, uh, and maybe onyx. Those those two things are, are definitely going to help you uh, or anyone uh, listening, uh, you know, get a better idea of, you know, just educating themselves on, on that new body of water and and uh, getting on, on better, better fish. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, I want to thank both of you for coming on the podcast uh, today. And Juan, where can more folks learn about you and Real Midwest Fishing? Uh, just follow us on Facebook, Real Midwest Fishing. It's R-E-E-L. Uh, and uh, we have a page there and a group uh, where you can, uh, you know, join and, and uh, be part of the community. Awesome. Josh? Yeah, Um I know Instagram is kind of blowing up lately and we also have a page on there too. So don't be afraid, don't be afraid to follow us on Instagram, join the, join the, like the page, join the group, you know, post content, get in on, we usually do some pretty sweet giveaways. So get in on that. All right. Perfect. Well, hey, guys, thanks for coming on the podcast, and good luck in your ice fishing season here, and happy holidays. Happy holidays, and thanks and thanks for having us, and I uh, look forward to seeing uh, everyone else's catches this season. Right on. All right, boys. There you go, ladies and gents. Josh and Juan of Real Midwest Fishing. Go check them out over on Facebook and uh you know, get involved, ask questions. If you have, um, you know, questions about either the area that they fish and, or you just got general fishing questions, um, that you'd like to throw out through the group to get answered any kind of local group like that. And, or, um, you know, just a positive community to be a part of can go a long way and help you out in your fishing endeavors out on the water. But uh, again, a reminder to head on over to the Freshwater Bite 
Facebook page and or the Instagram page, Freshwater Bite, and DM me. Write me in that topic or that question that you have or you want to learn more about to get you entered for that drawing because I'm announcing it next podcast episode, which will be dropping two weeks from when you're hearing this today. So in the meantime, folks, thanks for listening as always, and uh, we'll catch you right back here next time. Cheers.